Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. It's a pleasure to be with you once again today as we uh, take a look at one man's journey from a 500 Inc. technology executive who has turned commercial real estate investor. Augustino Pintus is a former uh, technology chief who worked in corporate America for many years. When he realized that corporate life was no longer for him, he walked away from a six-figure career to make commercial real estate his life. Over the last five years since making that decision, he built a real estate portfolio of multifamily development and net lease assets. And today, Augustino helps people get into real estate investing to build their own wealth. So welcome back, Augustino. You can learn more about Augustino in episode number 49. And so we're pleased to have you back with us again today. So Augustino, just take us into the show and uh, tell us what's yes, been going on yes. with you since you were here last time. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it. Uh, 49 was a long time ago, right? Because you're at over 300, you said, right? Yeah, we're up to 300, about 302 now. So it was about a year and a half since nice. you were with us, I think. Nice, nice, nice. Excellent, excellent. Well, like I said, thanks again for having me on. So I spent a lot of time in corporate. And when I was growing up as a kid, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to do something on my own. And I chose computers and technology because I had an aptitude for that kind of stuff. But uh, my parents, they were like, you know what? No, no, no. Entrepreneurship, that's too high risk. Don't do that. Go to work, go get a 40 hour a week job and, and do that. And so I did. That's what I did, you know? And uh, my parents, you know, they're, they're great people. But I think that that plan is an outdated plan where someone goes and works for a company for 30, 40 years, you get the gold Rolex at the end, then you go home and die. <laughs> that sounds sounds pretty terrible, right? But that you can't do that anymore. You can't do that. And I was a very bad employee, so to speak. I had great success when I was doing it as an employee, but you know, the very last time, I guess a straw that broke the camel's back is a company I went to go work for. It was an IT services company. I'm an IT guy. I was a C-level executive. I go in. The guy brings me on to fix their technology. It was a disaster. Go in, mm -hmm. fix it up, bring in the right people, get rid of the wrong people, make all these great things happen. And uh, was able to get everything running fine. Running Everything was running at 100% efficiency. Great. Like you're supposed to do. He leaves. New guy comes in. New guy doesn't like me for whatever reason, wants to bring in his own people. And next thing you know, I'm riffed again. I'm out the door. How many more times can you really do that in your 40s? How many more times? Because here's the thing. The older you get, the less marketable you become. Why Why should I hire another C-level executive for 400K a year if I can hire a director level at 32 years old for far less money? Technically, you can't do that with, you know, with HR laws, but it happens all the time, right? Mm. And I figured, how many more times am I going to put my... My future in the hands of someone else. That's why I decided to make to, to just leave it, you know. And corporate America just wasn't for me. I'm not saying it's not for everybody or not for anybody. 
people do like doing corporate. They love doing all that stuff. They want their, they want their two weeks off a, a year and they're perfectly fine with it. It's just not my bag. I want to have freedom. So after I decided, I took a decision, you know, it's kind of like um, Walt Disney says, sometimes a good kick, kick in the teeth is what you need to really get you moving. And that's what it was, you know, that, that kick yeah. in the teeth of finally getting canned again to really shift my whole life and refocus it and, and really live what I was supposed to do. And that is entrepreneurship. And I chose real estate as that route. I mean, think about it for a second. We're doing deals right now, 13, 14 million of an acquisition, for instance, right? The lender is usually giving us for an acquisition up to 80% of the money, 75 to 80%, depending on the deal, right? What other thing could you possibly do where the bank is going to willing to be your partner? They're throwing money at you to do those deals all day long. There's nothing else on the planet that, that allows you to do that kind of stuff. So for us, for me rather, it made perfect sense to do that. So I abandoned that the career, like you said earlier, just to focus on real estate. And uh, since then, yeah, it's like we've, we've expanded beyond just doing acquisition. These days we're doing more development, ground up development and redevelopment. This building I'm in right now is the rocket Feller building in downtown Cleveland. We're going to be redeveloping this bad boy. It's going to be a $135 million deal when it's done. Mm. We're also doing single tenant net lease assets as well for good, steady monthly cash flow, right? We have a blind pool fund and we have investors that come in on those deals and we just acquire these assets, mostly nationally, mostly red states. It's just easier to deal with, less taxes. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been a remarkable journey so far. I have time, I could spend my time, invest my time any which way I, I please. Where corporate, you could never do that. You know, you're at, yeah. you're at the whim of some boss that, you know, may or may not like you that day. Then you're out the door. <laughs> yeah. Some people like it. Like I said, some people like it. Some people don't. I want to sound like I'm, I'm poo-pooing corporate, but it's so much better when you don't have to deal with that, you know? Well, you're, you're certainly right. I mean, there just isn't the security in the corporate world that, uh, that once there was some 30 uh, years ago, there's been some really major changes in the uh, employment environment. And those haven't been good for workers, particularly. I guess they're good for corporations, but not necessarily for the workers in those corporations, at least not if you're looking for security and stability. Real estate is a, a team sport to be certain. So share with us, Augustino, how it is that you went from corporate America with really essentially having no contacts within the real estate environment. How did you go about establishing your teams and to become a successful syndicator? I will say, Alan, that uh, it certainly wasn't easy because of the way that I did it. I did it by myself, on my own. I read a few books. Now, the difference is that I had no choice. When I made myself a promise, I told my girlfriend at the time, I said, listen, I'm never going to go back to corporate. I'm going to go back for consulting one more time. And I'm never doing it again. So I had to like, yeah, just draw the line in the sand. So when you do that and you realize that you better make this happen, just reading books won't get you there. Action is what it takes to get over the line. And that's what that's where many people fall flat because it's freaking hard. <laughs> and it's hard, <laughs> hard, hard, hard to start. Because here's the thing. So I took that consulting role in, in Cleveland or it's Akron, Ohio, outside of Cleveland, right? Where we are now. And I didn't know a soul. I didn't know anybody here. Like I knew nobody, nobody. Started literally from zero. I came to this market because I knew that this market hadn't fully recovered. So it was really just a data play. I understood that the market hadn't recovered from 2008, what, five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, that there's opportunity here still. There's still opportunity, right? So that's that's what really led me to come here in the first place. But to your point, yeah, I didn't know a soul. So the books that I read really just, just like filled my head with, okay, you have to build out your team first, right? So I started off with, with property manager first. Like I found a good property 
property manager that uh, that was good until we outgrew him. Then he turned into a terrible one. That's a whole other segment right there in property management, right? Which I don't want to get into, <laughs> but, and then making friends with a lot of brokers, you know, and, and, but making friends with a lot of brokers is, was, was certainly the hard thing to do back then. It's still as hard to do today. But the thing is, is that finding a property manager that's competent is very hard to begin with. That's hard, believe it or not. There's a lot of people that, that are out there, but uh, that will property manage. But if you have a good, well-connected property manager, then then your next person on your team becomes your broker. If you call a, a, a one of the, maybe you don't start with the top guy in the market. Maybe you start with like the fourth or fifth guy in the market to practice to make sure you don't screw it up, right? Screw up your, your pitch. You start with this guy and you say the one of the first questions they'll probably ask you if they don't know who you are is to say, so who's your property manager? And if your answer is, uh, I don't know. It's not a good look. But if you tell them, yeah, my property manager is Joe with Allied, you know, Joe Smith. He's, he's, oh, yeah, I know Joe Smith. Joe Smith's a good dude. He's a good dude. So now, because Joe Smith is a good dude who's very well connected, knows all the brokers, and he's your guy. So now I was like, oh, okay. So if he's a good guy, you must be a good guy too, right? So it took a lot of those phone calls, a lot of the, building the credibility with the brokers, show, demonstrating that I'm the real deal by learning their language, which is another big part of it. Is is if you don't know that if you can't speak the language of a broker, if the broker says, yeah, you might be able to get IO payment from the from this lender, and uh, you know it's gonna be. Your NOI is going to be X, you know, what, but if you don't know what the hell he's talking about, you're going to have a hard time. You're not credible. You know, they can't take it seriously. But I, those are all things that I, I learned on my own. And um, I, I think it added a lot of time mm -hmm. to the journey. Uh, not that not that I had a slow journey to begin with. I mean, that was that was a big part of it. But I think another one of the final parts though is also realizing what you're good at and what you're not, and maybe you're not at, as good at. You know, so we've, I've had students, for instance, we do some coaching. I've had students that are great at running and operating properties, but they're not so good at raising capital. So what you do is you partner up with someone who raises capital but doesn't want to run the properties. They don't care to run the properties, right? They don't want to be, get involved in the weeds. They just want their check. There's plenty of those people out there too. So it's partnering up with people like that too to help to help bridge the gap that you're that you're lacking and bringing value to that partnership. All these things are tough to do. They're all tough. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. And, and when I say everybody, I mean commercial deals. Like we're doing big, big, big deals right now and we're planning getting much bigger deals. But um, the bigger you get, the more complicated it becomes. You know, that's ultimately what it is. So having a good team is extremely, it's paramount. It's paramount. Mm -hmm. Absolutely important. Well, tell us uh, just to get into some specifics here about the first deal that actually came together for you. Enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. That's funny. The first deal I bought, I bought on my own and I felt that if I'm going to be in the game, if I'm going to be doing this multifamily thing seriously, I kind of like, I wanted to do it on my own with my own money and had to do the whole thing by myself. It's just do, my, do it by myself, right? So the funny thing is, is that I got lucky when I found this deal. It was a, an 11 unit apartment turned into a 12 unit. And it was an Akron. I just happened to be looking at the MLS, which I never go to. I never, who goes to the MLS for 12 unit apartments, right? Who does that? Well, okay. I just happened to do it. And I came across this 11 unit apartment scenario. And I'm like, mm -hmm. 
what the hell is this? Why is this here? Like, it should not be here. That's, that's, because the MLS is, for those in the audience who don't know, the MLS is primarily for single families. Mm-hmm. And here's this 11 unit with a 12th unit that was unfinished. And I'm like, huh, how about that? And, it's, and it was right up the street from where I worked at the time. That was the last, that last consulting gig I ended up taking. I'm like, well, how about that? So I called the, the real estate agent. The agent had no idea what I was talking about. Can I, can I get a rent roll? Can I, oh, what, what's that? What yeah. do you mean rent roll? Mm-hmm. What is that like an egg roll? What is that? She had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> she had no idea what I was talking about. That's okay. That's fine. Hey, that's okay. And and the funny thing is, is that I only paid 11,000 a door for that wow. deal. Gosh. 11 grand a door. I sold it for 30 grand a door, yeah, maybe a wow. couple of years ago. So did very, very well with that deal, right? I finished off the last unit and sold it off. And um, it was a phenomenal deal to get done. Obviously, it was a great, great little deal. But uh, I certainly learned a lot because here's the thing I tell people too all the time is that the bigger deals, is an interesting paradigm here because the small deals you kind of have to go through. It's almost like a rite of passage, so to speak, when you're getting into, into multifamily and commercial. The thing is, is that the small deals are higher risk. When you're talking like say, anywhere between 10 to maybe 60 units in my book are high risk deals. Those are high risk deals. And then once you get 90 and above those, the risk drops off. So it, you're you're in this dead zone. Now you can minimize the risk on the smaller deals because if you do high, higher property management, which I always think you should, you can at least it's small enough that you can keep your eyes on it personally and not have to run it. Because I had to have a lot, of, I had to have a lot of involvement with that deal because my property manager at the time, like I said earlier, like I implied, he was connected, but he wasn't all that great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I prioritize connectedness with greatness, and uh, which at the time seemed to work because mm-hmm. it got me in front of other brokers, which is what I was looking for, right? right? But I had to be way more involved with that deal because again, it was only 10 or 11 units or whatever. Right. It's not enough to get a to get a, uh, a, a property manager excited. That's the thing. People don't want to do small deals. Nobody cares about small deals. They just mm-hmm. don't care. Banks don't care. And then when you're going 90 and higher, okay, great. So now banks get interested. You know, th- th- Those deals are typically going to be more than a, than a million, 2 million, 3 million, depending on, on the market. Of course, and the 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 lender is going to be way more excited about it. So you can hire property management. They'll they'll keep an eye on the property for you, and uh, as long as you keep buying in that same market, which is important, then you'll have some expansion. You have you'll be able to get some some scale, and then the property manager will do a better job conceivably. Mm-hmm. But when you're in that dead zone right there in the middle, that 50 to 89 unit or something like that, that's the most dangerous deals to get right there because they're too big for you to manage personally and they're too small for a property manager to care. Those are hard deals in my opinion. Those are the highest mm-hmm. risk deals. In my, it's almost like a, like, a, like a bell curve. Those deals are hardest ones because of that. You know, It's like, I don't want to manage a 50 unit apartment building. Me personally, I'm not a maintenance guy. I don't know how to fix that stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go knock on people's door and collect rents. You know, I don't want to have to do that and deal with the courts and deal with evictions and all that. But if you leave it to a property manager, you're gonna, they're going to charge you way more money. And like I said, if you're not planning on buying anything else in that market, you're screwed. You're done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's because you get no scale. And that's why it's like, I instruct my students. It's like, 
you know, try to find a big deal and go through the hard effort of raising the money. That's the hardest part. That's that's the part that eludes most people is raising the capital. And that's why the third partner you'd find, like I said earlier, is someone maybe if you're a good operator, maybe you find a good a good uh, money raiser. But uh, you know what? And here's the thing, something I did not say, but um, there's another option for those that are working and but still want to get in the game is to invest as a limited partner. You know, there's nothing wrong yeah. with investing as a limited partner. You get all the upside, you get the tax benefits, and you're limited. The reason why they call it limited partner is because you're limited to the, ex- your, to, your exposure is limited to the amount of money you put in the deal. So if you have 100 or 200 grand in the deal as a partner in the deals on the LP side, and for whatever reason, the property goes to hell and, you, and it goes to zero, which it's not possible because the land is always worth something, but let's say that it does. You're limited in the sense that it's only 200 grand. I'm not going to say only 200 grand, but it isn't like no one's coming after you to sue you or anything else like that. You know, it's like you're pretty much done. Where on the GP side, there's a higher level of risk, right? That's where all the, that's, those are the guys that are running the deal. So they may have money in the deal too. And, um, but you know, they're signing for the debt. They're managing the asset. They're, they're guaranteeing the success and both, both sides get the upside. And as a matter of fact, the, the limited partners get paid before the general partners do. So in my opinion, the limited partners, they, 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 they're in for a really good deal if they partner up with the right people. It makes right sense people. to me right. anyway. Yeah. You know? So in terms of the 050 to 89, the high risk is, has to do with finding decent property management and also that lenders are not as excited about it. I would also assume yeah. that probably your limited partners are going to be less excited about those smaller deals too. Oh, Hundred percent. Yeah, it's way harder to raise money for those types of deals too, because the returns are not going to be as strong. And you know, here's the thing, Alan. You're you're on social media. You see all these guys on social media pushing, pushing, pushing. Buy a multifamily. Hurry up and do it now. Ah! Listen, buying a multifamily is easy, simple compared to running it profitably for ten years straight every quarter. That's hard. That's very, very hard. It's hard to do. It's not cake. You offset the, the the difficulty by putting in good management, good processes, good people. There's ways to do it, right? If you're an expert at doing this stuff, it's less hard, right? Mm. But I mean, they make it sound like it's easy just to go buy multifamily and you're done with it. You just go home. No, 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 no. There's there's actual work involved in running an asset and running it to peak performance. Like mm. our property management team, they run the asset. When we get to a certain percentage, 95%, 96%, they're always comparing what the, what the market is doing in terms of rents. And then they'll see, ah, these guys down here increased the rent by 200 bucks. Those guys did it by 150. Those guys did it by another 50 bucks. Where are we at compared to these other people? How good are our assets compared to theirs? Oh, if our asset is more in, in better shape overall, we can increase our rents too. I mean, these are things that when other people are the, the pros, it's their job to think about such things. You're way better off than trying to figure it out yourself. I mean, if you are a professional and you're working your, your day job, the last thing you want to do is think about, stop what you're thinking about. You're in the middle of writing some code or something. And oh my God, I need to do a rent comparison with the five nearest deals. And <laughs> who does that? Nobody does that. You get the pros to do it, right? You know, that's that's the kind of stuff that we do. That's our that's what our team does, you know. So that's why for if someone does want to get into the real estate game, one of the one of the best best things to do, in my opinion, is to just invest with someone else first. You know, that's a great way to learn. Great way to yeah. learn. 
And there are a lot of opportunities for limited partnerships. And of course, if you're new to this game, the difficulty in limited partnership investing is you can't go out to Wall Street and find a vehicle to invest in. So how do we find limited partnership opportunities? Yeah, that's the hardest part. You know, it's um, the certain depending on on how your your structure is set up, whether whether it's a whether you can whether it's a Reg A or Reg C or whatever. It's it really depends on on how how your reach is, right? Like in our case, a lot of ours are um, we we have to be very careful about doing our uh, how we communicate our deals. We don't just we can't uh, obviously talk about our numbers except uh, to our own our own investors mm-hmm. once we get to know who they are. Right. And that's generally how we do it. But the people that are, they know generally that we do real estate. They know that I do real estate. I'm a real estate guy. At least if they go to social media, they will see that I talk about real estate all the time. So they could see that, yes, this guy's the real deal. Maybe they'll reach out and they'll say, hey, what are you working on? You got any deals for me? That's that's generally how it's done. But I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I think the biggest thing that people need to realize today is that we just printed another $1.2 trillion and sent it to Ukraine two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Me didn't say a word about it, right? Where's that money coming from? It's coming from us. Taxes have to go up because we're spending money like this. It's just one shot. We've been doing it the whole year. And you need a way to protect your income. Real estate is a great way to put it, to to help get that, that tax write off. And still get the appreciation of a hard asset and still get get a quarterly return how why would you want to do that you know to do stocks in my opinion it's way too volatile that's just me I, I just don't I don't like doing that stuff here's the example I tell my buddy that he likes doing stocks and I'm like okay at the end of this month what's your, what's your stock price going to be he's like well what, what do you mean I go at the end of this month how many shares do you have I have 200 shares okay great at the end of this month what are those 200 shares going to be worth he's like oh, I, I, I don't know how am I supposed to know that I go, well, I'll tell you what, I have 1600 units. They all have leases. And they tell me that at the end of this month, I will get X amount of money from all these leases because I have a legal document that says so. And if they don't, they have legal remedy to fix it. So that's the difference, right? There's way more, you can, you can predict the money far better on real estate than you can with, with the stocks or Bitcoin or all those other things that are out there, right? It's it's way too volatile for me, you know? And you, like I said, you get the tax benefits, you get depreciation of the asset if it's, if it's run well. I mean, it just makes total sense. And I think people need to be considering that a great deal more nowadays. They have to. They have to because of where things are going. They have to. Yeah. And the other thing is leverage. You don't get leverage with stocks either. And uh... <laughs> Is that funny, Alan? Is that funny? It's like, if I want to buy Bank of America stock, Bank of America won't give me a loan to buy their stock. But- I can use Bank of America money to go buy buy an asset. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It is Interesting. Tell us how we can get in touch with you and what it is that you have to offer. Sure. So bulletproofcashflow.com is probably the best way. I talked a little bit about brokers and building that broker relationship. So we have actually a guide. It's guide to capital.com. If you go there, there's a free download. You can, you can download the ebook and I go into some really good detail about how to talk to brokers and, um, some of the do's and don'ts of, of really, um, striking up the conversation. There's even a script. I think there's 
using scripts in there too that tells you what to say and how to say it. And, and because the brokers truly are the gatekeepers to the deals that you want, you know, and uh, certainly there's a lot of deals out there. Not all of them are good deals, but um, having that relationship with a broker is where it all begins. And uh, download if you download that book, guidetobrokers.com, download that ebook, and uh, it'll be a good starting point to learn a little bit more about how to actually do that. Okay. Well, great. Augustino, it's been wonderful having you again. All of uh, Augustino's contact information will be in our show notes. Thank you, Augustino. It's been a pleasure. Enjoyed having you back again. Thank you so much, Alan. Appreciate it. Enlightened investors, don't go yet. I have just a couple of quick requests. You know the drill. Like, share, and subscribe. But we also need your help to build our audience, so please go to your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and review. I'll be most grateful. Until next time, prosper and live abundantly. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.